Today it's about uh, block diagrams, uh, signal flow graphs and sensitivity, which is the, uh, the heart of uh, control engineering. So the contents is block diagrams, the, the rules to draw block diagrams. There are some, uh, some rules and some aesthetics. Also uh, signal flow graphs, uh, including Mason rules, which allows us to make uh, transfer functions of uh, really complex systems in a relatively easy way. And then sensitivity. So we will see the idea of uh, sensitivity, complementary sensitivity, steady state errors, and what happens with the error if you wait long enough, and the dependency of the steady state or error of the, uh, the, the type of signals in the system, and also the, uh, the properties of the system uh, itself. So let's start with uh, block diagrams. So in general, we talk about uh, a block diagram in Laplace transform. It can be Laplace transform or later on when we talk about discrete systems, it can also be uh, Z-transform. Yeah. And in, in the case we use the Laplace transform, we use uh, capital letters. Uh, so we have a transfer function HS, we have an input signal of a block uh, US, and the output signal in this case is YS. Mm -hmm. When we talk about this uh, this type of systems, these systems are always linear. Hmm? Yeah. So you, you can't make it Laplace transform for a nonlinear system. You can combine this type of blocks with nonlinear blocks, but in general we talk about linear systems. So the signal are Laplace transformations of the, uh, the, the signal itself, and the contents of the block is a transfer function. So we can say then that Ys is Hs times Us, or if we write it more simple, Y is H times U. So often we leave out the S because we assume that it's a Laplace transform signal. And the, uh, the, the capital Y, in contrast to the lowercase uh, Y, uh, makes the difference between time domain signals and Laplace uh, transform signals. Of course, we are not always pure in it, but as much as possible, we try to, uh, to keep this, uh, this not notation. Okay. Then we can combine uh, blocks, and well, that's one of the advantages, of course, of the Laplace transformation, that instead of having difficult convolution integrals, we now have just simple multiplications eh? or, or additions. We can work in an algebraic manner with these, uh, these blocks. So in this case, y is h1 times h2 times u. Eh? And because it's a linear system, we can also interchange the, the blocks without uh, any effect. Eh? You can also have a parallel structure, then we just uh, add the two blocks. Eh? Mm -hmm. So y is h1 plus h2, yeah. both times u. Yeah. Uh, when we use these, uh, these adders, these summation points, we need a sign, because it could be a minus sign as well. But the sign is always at the left uh, of the, the arrow. So if you follow the error, the, 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 the signal in the direction of the arrow, at the left you will find the plus sign, and here also at the left you will find the plus sign. Here it's obvious, but if you have more connections, it makes sense to do that uh, a little bit careful, because otherwise you can make mistakes. So we continue with this example, and well, let's fill in some, uh, some real uh, transfer functions, very simple. So two first-order transfer functions, and we see when we multiply this, we get a new system and we can further multiply that and this is a second order system but this system has two real poles so if we have a series uh, of two first order blocks we have a second order system with uh, real poles and the mm -hmm. poles are never complex okay. here we consider two blocks in parallel and we see that the transfer function is y is h1 times u plus h2 times u 
or h1 plus h2 times u. When we fill in the transfer functions, we see that in this case, if we combine the two, that we have a denominator which is equal to the one we saw before, and we have a numerator which now also contains s terms. So after some manipulations, we see that finally we get one zero here, yeah. and we still have two poles. So just a zero in a transfer function is always the result of a parallel connection. So it, it can be that, that you do not consider the transfer from input to output, but you just take out a signal halfway, mm. or there is some, something else in, in parallel, yeah, but that's the reason that there are zeros. Yeah? So the, the, the poles really determine the, the, the dynamics and the transients, and zeros are more about initial conditions. We have seen that before as well. The last lecture we saw also that if you have a zero in the first order system, the initial condition is not zero, but it, it is another value. Yeah. Hmm? Well, a very important structure is the, the feedback structure, yeah, because many systems have a natural feedback, and certainly when we apply control, it's often feedback control, so this structure is, uh, is something we will see again and again. And, well, you can uh, define an, uh, an error signal here, and then write the equations, uh, and then come to this transfer function, but the general rule is that you say the transfer function in such a simple structure from u to y, is the forward path, which is h1, yeah. divided by 1 minus the loop gain. And the loop gain is h1 times h2 is a minus sign, so minus h1, h2. So 1 minus the loop gain is 1 plus h1, h2. And, and mostly we have negative feedback. So this is, uh, this is something to remember. So the rule is the forward path divided by 1 minus the loop transfer. Well, again, we fill in the, uh, the transfer functions, y is h times u, and when we work that out, we now see that, again, we have a, a zero, and the zero is, the, uh, is, in fact, the inverse of the pole we had in h2, so we had here a pole 1 over s tau 2 plus 1. We will see that back as a zero in the closed-loop transfer function, but we also see that the poles we have here are going to move, eh? so they don't stay on the same location, and in this case they can become complex, and if K1 or K2 is big enough, uh, the, the imaginary part will become bigger and bigger, and that will lead to an oscillatory response. Eh? Yeah. So that's the risk of, of feedback, and certainly if you have more, more poles, then you can even get an unstable system by making the gains high enough. Eh? So again, the pole of H2 is the zero of the final transfer function, and here the poles of H are not equal to the poles of H1 and H2 combined. Unless one of the gains is zero, and then in fact you have an open loop system again, because then the, uh, the loop gain is zero, and you cannot say that there is any, uh, any feedback present. And we come back to that later on, that uh, then we will consider what happens with the poles if we have, for instance, k1 change from zero to infinity. Okay. And that will, will help us to design systems. So that we can uh, 
can demonstrate this. So here we have uh, with, with real numbers. Hmm? And we can run a demonstration. Okay, here we have this uh, this system, uh, so we uh, can run the uh, experiment and see what happens at the output. And here we see that, well, you should now be able to recognize this. Uh, we, the original system is uh, two first order blocks, but because of the feedback, we see that we now have this uh, this overshoot. So, well, where does it come from? We also see that the uh, the slope is is not equal to zero here in the beginning. Yeah, the, the, yeah. There is a certain slope that that indicates that we have two poles and, and a zero indeed. And I can change now the the, the gain of uh, one of the blocks. Uh, so this is the forward path. And now when I change this gain to, uh, for instance, to to one, mm -hmm. uh, to two, and I do the experiment again, I see that the response is is higher. We have more overshoot. We also see more oscillatory type of response. So. I will make the uh, the gain now now 10 and huh? make a big step. And now we observe that the uh, response becomes more and more oscillatory. We also see that the reference was one, yeah. and with a low gain we have an error of, of well, the, the final value is 50% of the the value what it should be. And when we increase the gain, the error becomes smaller. Yeah? So we could consider the error as well. The error becomes smaller, yeah. but the transient is uh, is not so nice anymore. Yeah. So this is the, the basic problem in control. We come back to that uh, during the rest of the course. Yeah? You want a high gain for a small error, mm -hmm. but you want a small gain in order to have a nice dynamic response. Yeah? Yeah. So if this is a, the control of a cutting machine, if you, you cut cut away too much material, you have spoiled your uh, your, your product. Huh? So, so this is certainly something that's not desired. Huh? N none of these responses, huh? because they all have have overshoot. In general, you you don't want overshoot or a very small overshoot. So this shape is acceptable, yeah, but the the error is, is terrible. Yeah. And here the the error is better, but yeah. the, the shape is not acceptable at all. And we also see that the system becomes faster. Huh? If, yeah. we, if we move away the poles from the origin, which happens by increasing the gain, mm -hmm. uh, then the uh, response becomes faster. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is a, a more complex system, huh? but you can still use the rule. You say, well, this transfer function is the forward path H1, H2, divided by 1 plus h1, h2, h6, hmm? mm -hmm. and the same here, and then you can multiply the two, and you are ready. It's more difficult if you add another loop, right? so then then it's really, uh, really complex to, uh, to, to compute the transfer function. You cannot use these simple rules again. You must do some manipulations. Hmm? Well, we can do that here, so of course you, you should try that yourself before uh, following the rest. Okay. That, that, that makes sense. But I will show you how to do it. So the first step is to say, well, this, this extra loop gives us troubles. So if I move this block H5 to the output here, then here in, I can compute this one. Hmm? Yeah. So if I do that, I must divide by H4 because we have an extra multiplication of H4 here. So we must divide by H4. Then we can compute this one. Mm -hmm. Well, that gives us transfer H8. 
we do the same trick with uh, h6. Yeah, we move that behind h8. So we have to divide by h8. Okay. Then we can compute this part and call that uh, h9. And then again, we apply the same rule. Yeah. And we have the total transfer function. It's not very important now exactly what it is, but uh, we will see how we can do that more easy. So if we have complex diagrams like that, Mason's rules make sense. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly it's based on the, the use of signal flow graphs. It's not essential. You can do it as block diagrams as well, but because you see uh, signal flow graphs also in, uh, in literature, it's important that you know how to interpret that as well. And certainly some extra care is necessary if you want to do it with, uh, with block diagrams. So the, the, the basis is that uh, instead of having a block with a transfer function HS, we now have a, an, an arrow here with the transfer HS along the arrow. So US is the input signal. Signals are indicated here by the, the black dots. And this is the output signal. And you can connect that with transfer functions one. Yeah, so this is again a signal. So you clearly separate now the, the input signal US by a transfer function one from the transfer function HS. And again, the transfer function HS is separated from the, mm -hmm. the signal YS by this transfer function one. Hmm? Yeah. And so the, the, the rules uh, are the same. Again, also for linear systems, the nodes are signals and the branches are transfer functions. So now we go back to the complex system and uh, try to, to make a signal flow graph uh, out of it. So that's uh, relatively easy. So we start with the signal U. Then we have here addition of U and the result of minus H6 times the, the output here. Okay. So here these, uh, these nodes also add the incoming signals. So we have no signs here. So the sign must be in the transfer function. And then we have transfer function H1 separated to the other one by a one, again a node H2, etc. So this is rather straightforward. Yeah. And you can clearly recognize here that there are loops yeah. with a negative sign, another loop with a negative sign, and a third loop. Yeah. Well, using this idea of forward path and loops and combinations of loops helps us to derive the Mason's rule. So we must first give some definitions. And so a path is a succession of branches in the direction of the arrows that do not pass any node more than once. So in the example, we have one path. Well, well we have more paths, but, but this is the forward path. Yeah? So all these, uh, and of course, this is also a, a path if we do not make the connection. So, but it's not an important path. It doesn't play a role in the deriving transfer function. But the forward path, yeah. and there could be other forward paths. Eh? There could be another one going around here or, or, or like this in the forward direction. Eh? Okay. Then, in this case, there is one path from U to Y, eh? which is important if you want to derive the transfer function. Yeah. And the path gain is just H1, H2, H3, H4. Then a loop, that's a closed succession of branches in the direction of the arrows that do not pass any node more than one. So we have three loops, mm -hmm. H1, H2 times minus H6, and this one, this one. So we can indicate that here. Mm -hmm. So this is the loop gain, other loop gain, yeah. and one more. Yeah. Then 
The concept of touching loops is important. Loops which one or more nodes in common are called touching. And a loop and a path, path are touching when they have a common node. Yeah, so the forward path touches all the loops. Yeah. And the, this loop touches the other ones, but these two loops, loops do not touch. Yeah. So touching loops are h1, h2, h6 with a minus sign with h2, h3, h5. Yeah, so this one and of course the other one, yeah. uh, this one. They are touching loops and non-touching loops are these two. Hmm? Yeah. Then the determinant is uh, important uh, because that it also determines the, 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 the properties of the, the system as we have seen. In fact, that, that represents at the end the poles. Then uh, mm. the determinant is defined as uh, 1 minus the sum of all loop gains plus the sum of products of gains of all possible combinations of two non-touching loops minus the sum of products of gains of all possible combinations of three non-touching loops, okay. etc. Hmm? So, well, this may look complex, but if we look to the real to the system we are considering, it's, it's quite easy. We need one more definition, cofactor. The cofactor of the path I, denoted by delta Y, delta I is the determinant of the signal flow graph formed by deleting all loops touching pass I. Hmm? Okay. So if I delete the, the, the forward path we have seen, mm. well, the, if in our case, there are no loops anymore, so there's no cofactor determinant. So here's the Mason's rule that says that the final transfer function is path 1 times cofactor delta 1, path 2 times cofactor delta 2 divided by delta. But even if this is a complex system we are considering now, okay. it's, it's not complex enough even to show the, the other other factors. So in our case, we say, well, we determine P1, the forward path. We have done that already. Yeah. Then there are no other paths, so the cofactor is 1. Yeah, so the determinant is 1, but there are no loops, so there's no loops to subtract or to add. Mm -hmm. So cofactor is 1. Delta 1 is 1. Then loop 1 is this. Yeah. Loop 2 is that one. And loop 3 is this one. So we have now combinations. So delta is 1 plus the uh, all the loop gains, the, the, the sum of the loop gains, minus, uh, this was minus the, 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 the sum of the loop gains, plus the product of the two non-touching loops we have. Eh? So these two are non-touching, so that gives this term. Okay. And now we are almost finished. Eh? So here we have the forward path P1, delta 1. There is only one, so there's no two. And we have delta, so we can now write the equation. Well, the, the exact uh, content is not important, but you see that you write this very easily now. Yeah. And even if it's more complex, if you make a nice drawing, a, a neat drawing, mm -hmm. and, and clearly separate the, the loops, then yeah. you, you can easily write this. So it is important that you, uh, you, you write that in a decent way. Okay. Well, in many cases, we have to do with, uh, with feedback systems. So in this case, we have a transfer function of HC, which is the controller transfer, the, the process transfer. And often the, the sensor also has a transfer function. And we have already seen that this feedback term comes back as a, if there are any poles, it comes back as a zero. And in the ultimate system, we have just the inverse of the feedback gain. We will see that later on. Then we always consider a system where there is a reference. The reference can be zero. That is, if you want to maintain, a, for instance, a constant temperature, yeah. 
but if you want to make, a, for instance, a robot control system where you want to move the uh, the arm of a robot from one position to the other, then you have a changing reference, yeah. and then the reference goes from, a, for instance, zero to a certain value. Hmm? Okay, it's continuous. Yeah, but but that, that that's a, a different approach. It, systems which which just have a constant reference and have to react on disturbances are easier to design than systems where you have to follow a certain pattern. Hmm? Then in many cases you have an uh, an, an input disturbance. Eh? For instance, uh, you could say that if it's suddenly colder outside and you have a heating system, eh, then that it's an input disturbance because the uh, just like the, the the heating from the, uh, the the heating system, the disturbance from outside influences the input of the process, and the, the room will slowly get colder if it suddenly gets colder outside if the control system doesn't react. We can also consider the disturbances at the output of the process, and in fact, uh, you could say that that's the same as considering reference changes, except for this HM. Eh? Mm -hmm. So if at, at T is zero, you have a certain output of the process which is not equal to the desired output, that's the same as following reference signals. Eh? Okay. Oh, we'll see that when we go into more detail to the equations. So I can write now a number of equations. So a very important equation is C over R. I use this uh, R and C because C is the controlled variable. This is, well, in fact, this is the, uh, the signal we are interested in, but you can consider this as combination. So this is the, the output, the real output of the, uh, the system. Here you have the measured output. But C, you want to give a certain value equal to R. So C over R is an important transfer. Also, E over R, which indicates the error. Yeah. So if, uh, if the error goes to zero, so this we want this to go to one. Mm -hmm. If this goes to one, C is equal to R. If C is equal to R, the error is zero, so we want this transfer to go to zero. Yeah. Uh, then we have C over D1, which is a little bit different from the others. Mm -hmm. And we have C divided by D2 and also we want that D2 has no influence on, on C, so we also want this to be zero. Okay. And we will see that this is the same transfer function as E over R. Yeah. You can easily see that by applying the rules we already know. E over R is the forward path, which is one, okay. divided by the loop gain, is a, one minus the loop gain. And it's the same here, D2 to C, that's one, yeah. divided by one minus the loop gain. Okay. Okay, so we now consider the transfer functions more into detail. So C over R is HC times HP divided by 1 minus the loop gain. We want that to be 1. So if we look here more carefully, we can make this 1 by uh, making HC times HP go to infinity. Yeah, then this is left and what's the transfer function then finally is 1 over HM. So if we have... For instance, a controller with a very high gain, mm -hmm. we can achieve that this term goes to infinity. Mm -hmm. And well, stability is another issue. We will come back to that later on. But then the transfer is like this. So if you have a sensor or at least the transfer and the feedback is equal to one, then C over R becomes one. If you know there is a sensor with a constant uh, uh, unequal to one, you can compensate for that in the forward path, of course. You can put a block HM here in series. And then you can compensate for it, so you can make this one. Hmm? Okay. But if there are dynamics, you you will never be able to do something on the dynamics with feedback. Hmm? Yeah.
So preferably HM is 1 and in the following we will sometimes assume that HM is 1 to make the analysis more easy. And in fact, uh, in most cases, uh, HP is given. Uh, you, you cannot change the process, although from a systems point of view, you must assume that you can change the process. Uh, because if you only consider on the controller and say, well, the process is the work of someone else, you never get an optimal system. Okay. So that's the basic idea behind the systems approach and also a mechatronics approach where you say, well, I don't take the, the, the process for granted. Uh, I, I assume that from this point of view, I can give suggestions for improving the, the process transfer function because that makes the, the whole system design easier. Yeah. But for the moment, we will assume that HP is given, so the only thing we can change is HC, the controller. Yeah. And the controller is, is software, so it's often also uh, cheaper to change the software than to change the process, although we will see that if you make a more advanced controller, you also need a stronger actuator. Huh? Yeah. If you want to, to move a robot arm faster, uh, you, you, you need a, a motor with a higher capacity, with a more powerful motor. Huh? Okay. Well, E over R, uh, we have seen that, it's 1 over H plus uh, the, the, the loop gain here. And we want that to be zero, so again, we see we can do that by making uh, this term uh, very large. Huh? Mm -hmm. Well, and again, the control is the only thing we can really influence. And so yeah. by choosing a high control against the error go to zero. C over D1, same story. We want uh, to be that uh, zero. Mm -hmm. So again, a large uh, control again will help us to do so. And finally, C divided by D2, we have seen already that's the same transfer function as the, uh, the error transfer function. Yeah. So the answer is the same. Okay. And we can combine that in one sheet. HP is something we cannot influence and uh, except for, for this transfer function, it, uh, it, it has influence on, on all the, uh, the transfer functions. HM is also present in a few transfer functions, but the only one present in all transfer functions, which is the, uh, the general recipe to improve the responses, is the controller transfer function. So if we can achieve that HC goes to infinity, we have achieved all goals. So, so easy is control engineering. <laughs> but, yeah, I see mentioned already a few times, stability is an other issue. We have seen already in the example we just showed that if you increase the gain, the stability can be endangered. So to make the problems more simple, we assume that the, uh, the sensor has a transfer function at one. And in that case, uh, we get this uh, diagram and we also skip uh, this transfer function. So we further go with this, uh, this basic diagram to study what we should do and, and, and what, what are the effects depending upon the process properties, controller properties and the properties of R and D. Yeah. That brings us to the concept of uh, sensitivity. So let's start with C over D2. That's 1 over 1 plus HC HP. And C over R, we have this uh, transfer function uh, also here. And we see that if we add the two, we have a term one. 
So we, we use the term the sensitivity sensitivity of the control signal for disturbances. That's this term. So we, this we call the sensitivity. Okay. And because this together with that one is one, we call this also the complementary sensitivity. So this is the sensitivity, this is the complementary sensitivity, and together they are one. Hmm? Well, sensitivity is a very important uh, aspect. So we now introduce the idea of the type of a system. Yeah? So this is a first order system, and the type of a system has not to be uh, confused with the is the order of the system. So this is a first order system, but it's a type zero system because there are no pure integrators. Mm -hmm. So if there would be a term one over S here as well, yeah, it's then it's a type one system, but we have no pure one over S. We have a one over S tau plus one, which is a time constant rather than an integrator. So there are no pure integrators. So the type of this system is zero. Okay. And we will see that the number of integrators plays an important role with respect to accuracy, also considering the type of input signals. So the transfer C over D, yeah, we can write that out as 1 over 1 plus this transfer function. And when we multiply the two, we uh, we'll see we get a 0 and we get an, an, a new pole. So it's 1 over 1 plus the gain times the dynamic part. Yeah? So GS is uh, 1 over s tau plus 1, and the gain is the combined gain of all the blocks. Well, here it happens to be 1. Yeah. Okay, and we write that further. Then we see that in, indeed the 0, which is equal to the original pole, yeah. and this pole is shifted because the time constant is getting smaller and smaller. Hmm? Mm -hmm. So we saw already if we increase the gain, the system becomes faster, so we have a smaller time constant. Okay. Hmm? So when we go to the to the formulas, we can say, well, the, the, we are interested in the steady state error. Yeah? So if we uh, say, well, what is the final value of the, uh, the, the controlled variable CT? That's the limit for T goes to infinity or the limit for S goes to zero. S times, well, one over S is the, the step signal. And then this, uh, this term, well, if we let S go to zero, we find that the final value is one over one plus K. So if you want a small error, we knew that already, yeah, a large gain. Yeah. Yeah, if you have a low gain, the error can go to 100%. Hmm? Okay. And we call this epsilon steady state, the steady state error. Okay. If we consider the initial value, we see that we have a value 1. So that means that immediately after... Uh, putting a step disturbance on the on the output we uh, we have an uh, the disturbance without any attenuation at the output so so this one indicates that there is no attenuation of the disturbance so if we look at that dynamically we say well we start here the final value is 1 over 1 plus k and the time constant is tau over 1 plus k so the transfer will be something like this and if we increase the gain the response will be faster and the final value will be lower. Yeah. So that can be read here. So this also indicates that feedback for high frequencies does nothing. Mm -hmm. it, it, if you really want a very fast re reduction of the, of the errors, then feedback, well, unless you make the system very fast, is always a bit too late. Yeah. 
you know, you can increase that's the term bandwidth of the system. If you have it done faster, the system has a is okay for for a larger range of frequencies, but for very high frequencies, for very sudden changes, you can do nothing good with feedback. Hmm? Okay. Feedback is always useful in the lower frequency domain. Okay. We come back to that when we look at uh, at frequency uh, aspects of a system. Okay. Now we can uh, can show that. Huh? Well, this is the system we are considering. The reference is zero, and we have a disturbance which uh, which is one at uh, tier zero. St starts to be one at tier zero, and we see what what happens with the output. So when we consider the uh, the response, we see that the uh, the disturbance is completely at the output as soon as it's present, and that's only reduced to 50% uh, of the uh, original value in the steady state. So when we increase the gain make it 10, we will expect that the system is faster and that the error is smaller. Well, that's okay. We have a faster response and the error goes to zero. Yeah. Well, in this case, we have a first order system, so we can make the gain as large as we want. Eh? Mm -hmm. Only uh, numerical considerations play a role. So if I make the gain 100, my error will go to about 1% and it will be very fast. Eh? So. This is ideal, but this is a first order system, which is uh, is nice if you have it, but that's most cases not uh, not that easy. Hmm? Okay. Okay. So we have seen that uh, the type plays a role. At least I mentioned that the type plays a role. So now we consider another system, even more simple, just with an integrator. Hmm? This is also a first order system, but it's also a type one system because we have now one pure integrator in the system. Yeah. So again, we derive the equations. Here are the equations from for C over D. And we, uh, we fill that in for the, uh, the final value theorem. In the case uh, D is a step response. And we find out that in the case S goes to zero because we now have uh, an extra term S this term goes to, uh, to zero as well. Hmm? So here, this term is zero and that uh, makes everything zero. So in this case, we have a steady state error zero, which is very interesting. And again, if we look at the initial value theorem, we see that also there we have one. Hmm? Hmm. And now we have a time constant one over K and the steady state error is zero. So this is the response. It, it goes to zero and we still have a first order transfer because this is finally a first order system. It goes with a first order response to zero. But this is a desired situation. So we can make a table now and we say, well, here we have the type of the system. It can be type zero and type one. We have a step. And we saw that in the case of a step input in the type zero system, we have a steady state error one over one plus K. We also saw that if we have a first order system, we have a steady state error zero. Yeah. 
Now we can also make the system type 2. And what would you expect that the steady state error would be for a type 2 system where we have two pure integrators? Also zero. Also zero. So that's, that's logical. Yeah. Now we can also go in this direction. So we had a step here with the transfer function 1 over s. We can also have a signal which is constantly increasing. We call that a ramp signal. And a ramp signal has a transfer function 1 over s squared. Yeah. So if we consider that, that's the signal t. Mm -hmm. What would you expect uh, here? Zero. Well, we, we can see that. Huh? Okay. So we just fill it in. Huh? So we, this is the, uh, the transfer function. Now the disturbance is 1 over s squared. We fill it in, we see that we have the s squared here. Well, that should ring an alarm bell because s goes to zero. That means that the steady state error goes to infinity. Okay. You can clearly see that this extra s here going to zero makes that the final transfer function is one over s and s goes to zero. So the error goes to infinity. It means if you have a signal which increases with time, mm -hmm. that it, the real response will always lag behind. So the, the error will, will increase. So we can now fill that here and say, well, this is infinity. Yeah. So now another question, what will be the answer here? Hmm? Mm -hmm. A bit improved. A, a, a bit improved, but, but, but finite. Hmm? Yeah. And here? Zero, yes. Yeah. So, so here, here, here on the diagonal, you always have uh, okay. finite, finite numbers. Here it's infinite, and here the rest is zero. Okay. Yeah? So we can easily examine that. So I have a ramp input signal for a type uh, type two system, which gives us finally one over k. Yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, what is it's a a ramp input with a type type one system. So, so type one system, one integrator, ramp input is a steady state error one over k. Okay. So and again, that's the, the zero. You can okay. try to do that yourself. Well, we can continue and consider t squared. So oh. it's now easy to fill. Yeah, infinity. 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 Finite. Finite and again one over k. Yeah. So. All the terms on the diagonal are 1 over k, except for this one, it's 1 over 1 plus k. Okay. So this is certainly something to remember. Yeah. And another error which is often made is that you confuse type 1 with order 1. Mm -hmm. The order of the system is the number of poles, yeah. and the type of the system is the number of poles in the origin. Okay. So pure 1 over s terms, you can have, of course, combinations. 1 over s times s tau plus 1, for instance. And, but then you have still a term 1 over s, one pole in the origin. Okay. And then you have a type 1 system, which is second order. Yeah. So I would say it's a good exercise to determine the steady state error of the last rows of the previous slide. Yeah. And, well, simulate this type of systems with, uh, with different kinds of, uh, of, of inputs and, and, and disturbances. 